You are tuning in to the Game Sports Show, powered by the Game Entertainment and Media, or known as GEM. This is the Little Caesars Pizza Special Edition Upload. Little Caesars Pizza in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, where there are three locations within the community and many more locations nationwide. Little Caesars Pizza is the largest carryout pizza chain internationally. Convenient, delicious, and cost-effective is a brief yet simple way to describe Little Caesars Pizza. You can order online through their user-friendly online pizza portal. Why wait any longer? Get on those phones, download the app, or get on your computer and make that order order right now the game sports show and gem thanks little caesar's pizza in particular little caesar's pizza in sioux st Marie, ontario for its support the game sports show is heard on spotify apple amazon podbean and podtail podcast platform as well as the game you can make the game a part of your homepage on your mobile device by simply clicking the link and pasting it to your homepage. also you can follow the game sports show on facebook and instagram which is tagged at the Game Sports Show. Now that you're settled in, let's get into another edition of TGSS. Booyah, and it's time for the Game Sports Show. It is your host, David McCaig Jr., bringing you another special edition upload powered by the Game Entertainment and Media and sponsored by Little Caesars Pizza, in particular Little Caesars Pizza in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. Now getting right to it, let's get to our Little Caesars special edition co-host here for tonight's upload. We have two, firstly going over to well, you know him by now, I'm sure. Former professional hockey player of over 1,000 games and hockey analyst for the game entertainment and media. Speed Demon and Mr. Top of the Circle Clap Bomb. No, that is not yet patented, but I will try to do whatever I can to get that patented. Brendan Brooks. Brooksy, how's it going, pal? It's going good, my friend. Uh, looking forward to the show. Can't wait. Let's get her going. Definitely love it. Now, I did mention we have two joining us, and I'm very excited when we have two co-hosts joining yours truly because, A, they balance yours truly out when I get a little bit out of line, and number two, it's just fun when we have this type of cast bringing Brooksy and now this individual getting to that second edition, a second co-host, rather, joining yours truly tonight, a frequent co-host with me on the Little Caesar special edition uploads, a part of the game sports show and game entertainment media family as a general sports analyst. You hear his voice on the special edition uploads as well as our top shelf edition news shows, in particular hockey and video expert, as he would like to be called, maybe the nerd of the show, as we just heard off air, the one and only Alex Parr. How's it I never- I don't know if I said that's what I'd like to be called, but yeah. Hey, Dave, how's it going, man? Good to be here. <laughs> I can say one thing, that he is certainly better than me at Shell 21. I will not only admit that once. That's about okay. it. Even though I beat him in five-on-five five play on that. But besides the point, let's get to our special edition guest, okay? Brought to you by, of course, Little Caesars Pizza. He's one of those guys, and let me tell you, we get these nice elongated introductions, and I think he's going to enjoy this. But he's, he likes to stop the puck. Goalies may be referenced as a different breed, but I would say this guy is an absolute beauty. And kudos to him for wanting to stand in front of rubber and be the last line of defense on the ice. He's a former first-round pick, 29th overall in the 2001 NHL draft to the Chicago Blackhawks. He is Ontario-born, who played in the Ontario Hockey League. And for those wondering where, well, yes, there was Erie. And of course, oh yeah, he spent his last season with the Sioux Greyhounds. Shout out to the local home listeners of the game. This tendy strapped on the pads for 157 games in the Ontario Hockey League with 429 games at the professional level in the East Coast, the AHL, NHL, Swiss, 
KHL Italy and Austria. He also played 14 games in the ACH, which is the Allen Cup Hockey League, where he had the best GEA, the best save percentage, and was named the best goalie and won MVP. Out of those 429 other professional games I mentioned, 17 of those games were with the Chicago Blackhawks. He is a one-time Hungarian champion and one-time OHL champion. And fun fact, he was named top three goalies of all time with the Erie Otters based on the article from the hockeywriters.com and author J- Dave Jewell in 2017. He represented Canada in the international stage and at the Spangler Cup and the Deutschland Cup. And last but not certainly not least, he is the owner of Money Goaltending. The one and only Adam Monroe. Thanks for taking the time to come on the show. Oh, thanks. That's that's quite the introduction. I mean, I feel like I'm still stuck back on the Little Caesars introduction because it's right around dinner time here. So you gave me a great idea for what to get after the show. But uh, what an introduction! That was amazing. I didn't know how that stuff actually. You know what? That is a great product plug right there. You just gave Little Caesars a great product plug. They're gonna love that. They might contact you after the show. Okay, perfect. <laughs> And while I say that, one more product placement I'd like to give out to It's Northern Superior Brewing Company to St. Marie. While I'm sitting here and we mentioned pizza, I'm having beer. So I think that'd be a pretty good mix. Just shout out to Northern Superior Brewing Company in St. Ontario. But before we get into, let's say, all the topics we like to bring up, Adam, I want to go to our post opener. So before we dive into the topic, and this is a perfect segue to what you just actually brought up. So I love it. Uh, obviously, you and I have chatted a little bit before this upload. So I feel like asking you a weird question off the hop. And I only do this with particular individuals, P.S. So I want you to feel special about that. But we're actually going to go on the realm of pizza, which is hilarious. I'm hoping you do like pizza, which obviously you just stated that you do. So please give us your take on the known sin of pineapple on pizza. Does Adam Monroe add this? to his toppings and if so why the hell do you do that if not what is your message to those who do oh wow i i I don't know if i'm gonna get a lot of slack for this or not but uh i'm on the side of the pineapples i'm actually a um a pineapple and jalapeno guy and i i know i don't know if anybody else makes this one but it's like it's a spicy salty sweet treat and I don't know, it just works. <laughs> and I mean, I don't know what it is, but uh, that's been my pizza for the last probably four or five years. Uh, maybe Domino's is going to, or uh, sorry, maybe Little, Little Caesars <laughs> is going to take back that uh, any sort of free pizzas they might have given me now. But uh, yeah, I've been pineapple and jalapeno for years now. I agree with the jalapeno, but I don't know, man, about the pineapple. Brooksy, Parr, like, are you on his side or are you on my side? Nah, man, I believed in you, Adam. I believed. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm old school. No, oh, no pineapple for this guy. Love that. Good. Now, Alex, I'm going to go to you to get us started with our first topic. We're going to have some fun with all of us. Bring up topic each. Alex, kick us off with our first official topic. I mean, yeah. Normally we do a chronological order, so what better place to start than the OHL? I mean, you spent four full seasons there. You spent a, spent a little tiny worst time in the Sioux, mainly playing with Erie. When you think back to the OHL, what are some of those stories that stick out right away? Well, going back to the old days, uh, yeah, you know, I was drafted in, in 98 um, out of Brantford, and I remember it was one of the last drafts they actually they had, they held the draft. It was in Barrie, so my family drove me up there, and um, I remember we got one hotel room. Me and my sister were sleeping on the floor. Our parents both had uh, queen beds, I think. I don't know why they slept in separate beds, but... Um, it was it was kind of it was kind of unique being you know 15 year old kid at the draft not knowing really knowing what was going on it being a Brantford kid I didn't know too much about the OHL either we had the the Brantford Smoke which was a Colonial Hockey League team UHL team at the time so that's really all I knew I saw a few Thunder games but uh, 
so going into the OHL, I didn't really know much about it. And my first year, I think I got 55 seconds on the ice, like basically a shift. And they're like, oh, I get him off the ice real quick. <laughs> like I got in there and I don't know if you guys remember the old days where they would warm up the goalie with, with, uh, with shots as if the other guy got pulled or injured, they'd, they'd bring in a guy to warm up the goalie with, with 10, 15 shots and kind of get him warmed up before they started to play again. So uh, as a 15 year old kid, that was, you know, I was so, I felt so cool in front of the fans making stops, making glove saves in between, you know, getting the other goalie getting yanked. So, um, my first year, that was, <laughs> that was about it. Uh, after that, you know, that was, that was an organization where, where we were good year in, year out. Uh, a lot of guys going in the first round, um, it was it was a lot of fun because you're just constantly winning the division and always kind of being one of the the higher teams going into playoffs and uh the three and a half i guess four years i spent in erie were were a blast but uh getting traded up to the sioux was was you know it's interesting because there's it was my overage year and uh i knew i was getting traded from the year before uh around the deadline they thought they were going to trade me and then you know, there was a big, a big stink in the summer of, of you know, we're, we're trying to trade you. Nothing's working out, whether that's true or not. Who knows? With, with, with junior. Um. Anyway, so I, I, I showed up and played four or five games for Erie in my over a, over a year. They got, they got traded on my birthday. I don't know if that was planned or not. So I had a nice uh, 13 hour drive up north on my birthday. Um. And you know, spent the last three quarters of a year up in the Sioux. Played basically every game. Um. And had a blast up there. There was it was really uh, uh, an eye opener compared the difference uh, to Erie because in Erie it was you were never guaranteed a starting role. Uh, our head coach would say we don't we don't have a starting goalie. You just you know the hot hand plays. So thankfully over over three three years I, I had a hot hand a lot. But um, you know it, it, it kind of sucked sitting on the bench for five games in a row when the other guy got hot if you thought you were the starting goalie. Yeah, you're like shit. <laughs> <laughs> hey. That shit in, please let that bouncer in from the other. <laughs> it, it gave you a drive to really, you know, kind of hold up and play the top of your top of your game. But I mean, as everybody knows here, you know, you have bad games, and if you have a bad game as a goalie, it's it's pretty evident. And with a the coach like we had down there, Dave McQueen, it was it was you know he wasn't the, the real goalie guy. He he told me that right from the first day I met him. He said, I don't like goalies and. It was like, oh, okay, what's your name? Uh, nice to meet you, sort of thing. But that was the first thing you said to me. So, you know, it was a relationship that was 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 a lot different when I was down there for sure compared to growing up with minor minor hockey league coaches where it was, you know, whatever the percentages were when you were growing up. Uh, they were pretty relatively pretty nice growing up where I was. Yeah, he's a grumpy. He's a pretty grumpy guy, that guy. <laughs> I had him as a coach in Austria, and I, I was very glad to uh, not be with him the following year, I'll tell you. <laughs> well, yeah, but, he, but he knows how to win. I'll he does. That. He had he that. How to he, win. he had that stare, and as a young 16-year-old kid, as a goalie, I could feel that stare looking at me when I let a bad goal in, and and you know the voice, that low grumbly, you know whiskey oh, soaked yeah. voice yeah. or whatever. Yeah. yeah, it's it gets real deep and it's gravelly, and and you know when you mess up, you hear it from the bench, and there's no hold bars. You know he, you know the crowd gets quiet at certain points in the game. And when you hear your name and about 12 expletives after it, you know that you're getting yanked pretty soon as a goalie. So uh, it was a pretty easy telltale sign when I when I played junior with that guy. So, <laughs> Well, I want to talk about now, since we're talking about Dave, about uh, you winning the OHL championship there in Erie, you know. And I, I, I heard about the party, and uh, this will be a name, because uh, my best buddy was Cully, Brandon Cullen. So, okay, yeah. Uh, 
he told me quite a bit uh, about the partying that you guys did after you won the OHL. Uh, what do you remember from those days? Oh, geez. Well, I mean, <laughs> it was it was a good time. I mean, there, it was dragged out over a little while. Um, it's it's tough to remember back to that far, to be honest with you. I mean, uh, there's been one thing Erie doesn't really do is they don't really have any alumni events or anything. So you don't get to see the guys that much. So you, you kind of lose those stories. I'm sure Cully's story is amazing. But, you know, I might have just blurred it all out too. That's the other problem. But uh, <laughs> you know, I remember, I remember winning it. I remember there was, you know, especially because we won in double overtime to win the championship. That was that was pretty cool. Myself, I broke my hand actually in the uh, the second round of playoffs. So I had a, a a cast that was made to to sit around the stick and a custom made blocker that sat on top of my cast so the other teams wouldn't know I was injured. They made me take warm up with this, so I had a broken hand taking pucks off my hand. Didn't feel too good for a couple months, but you know, you, you kind of learn to be a little bit tougher, I guess, at that point. But um, yes, it was it was pretty cool. You know, the whole lead up and our goalie actually, who who played um, most of the playoffs, was a Sioux guy, T.J. Chetty. And uh, you know, unfortunately, he's he's passed now, and it was uh, you know really sad to hear that a few years ago. But uh, he played absolutely unbelievable for us and, and really contributed to the championship as well. And, you know, like I said, the parting after was uh, – it's, it's tough to remember, but I'm sure it was a good time. <laughs> See, and being – like, obviously, I had, a, I had a friend of mine, uh, Owen Hendrick, who obviously won a t- title in Erie, too. So Erie's had some success, and even the players come up. I think there's somebody that everybody must know. His name's Connor McDavid or something played there, so obviously <laughs> – uh, he knows how to how to skate, so like you know, there there's uh, obviously been some good talent that's come out of Erie. Obviously, a friend of uh, of the show of mine, Zach Turquado, uh, played in the Erie as well. But uh, you know, it's it's definitely I heard a pretty good hockey market overall. And when you guys won, you must have been like overall like just it must have been a good atmosphere for the crowd or like and honestly, just a memory you'll never forget though. Well, I mean Erie, I, I mean that's. It was a fun city, and I kind of grew up with the city. When I first got there in in, in '98, it was uh, you know certain parts were a little bit rougher, and then and the city kind of grew over five years, like really really quick. And every year I'd go back after that, it was it was amazing. So the the city really kind of absorbed hockey and really started to to, to love the game because. The first year I was there, I remember if there was a game on a Friday night with high school football, there's no way you're getting more than 500 people. Like it was just orange and brown seats I think they had at the time. So it was just a bunch <laughs> bunch of those and looked like Reese's, Reese's Pieces out there, basically we called it. So um, it was, you know, the city kind of grew with it. And so when we won it, the city kind of also grew up with us in that, that aspect. And we were on, you know, fire trucks going down the main street, hoisting the trophy up. And I remember they were throwing sharks on the ice and um, some, some some other items. I don't know if I'm allowed to mention or not because we had a guy on our team named Corey Pecker. But um, so there was <laughs> other, other stuff thrown on the ice as well. And it was just it was just a blast of, of a time to, to have the city kind of, you know, you come at a time when, when this team had moved from Niagara Falls a couple of years before I got there. And when you kind of watched, watched the city grow with the team, it was, it, was, it was amazing. Now, did you dye your hair? Didn't most of the guys dye their hair during that time from what I remember? Oh. Yeah, I mean, I, I blame that now on why it's all fallen out. I mean, I'm sure I had it every every different color. But, you know, I think I had it the bleach blonde or whatever we were yeah. doing at that time. I think, uh, yeah, we did all the bleach blonde or the frosted tips or whatever it was. Oh, yeah. That was, pro- that was probably Cully's idea for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. I really appreciated that one year because I had to go to the, the draft pretty soon after we were we were done. 
and you know getting all my photos done i had frosted tips in every single photo and you look back now whatever it's been almost 20 almost 20 years now (laughs) it's just like geez okay who is this kid with the frosted tips I know we uh, were talking a little bit about other players that you played with before. Uh, Carlo Coliacobo's got a cool gig now with TSN. Was that a guy that you could see uh, transitioning over to the media side of things before, or was he a little bit more reserved and now has kind of spread his spread his feather, so to speak? Yeah, him and I him and I were actually drafted the same year um, to the NHL, but he was drafted a year after I was. But I didn't play my underage year, uh, or not much besides the one shift. But um, it was kind of cool to be a rookie with him and then you know obviously see him blossom into what he's what he became as a, as a player um but he from what i recall in junior he was he was pretty reserved pretty quiet guy and you know the guy loved his naps i remember that he would you always have one of those guys on your team that would just sleep the whole bus trip you know you get to the hotel they're sleeping and you're like okay i've never seen this guy outside the rink and if i do his eyes are shut but um it's you know it's completely completely weird that there is always one of those guys on every team I've played on. I don't know if it's it's true throughout hockey, but um, there's always that one guy that just, just sleeps. And I always remember him. He was he was really well rested when he played um, because he slept so much. But yeah, like he was he was a reserved guy. And, you know, he really put his, his, his whole heart into the game. And it was amazing. One of those guys that puts his arms up and crosses his arms on the seat and puts his head back and opens his mouth just absolutely catching Zs. I know a few people... <laughs> I was that guy. I was that guy myself. But I had a bed. I actually bought one of those beds that would fit down in between, and I was probably the comfiest guy on every bus trip. Oh, we <laughs> we had, we had one of those. Was it was it the blow up one? Uh, no, this was like it folded out, and uh, yeah, it was it was almost like a lawn chair, but it was like more like a bed, a little bit thicker than a, like a one that you put on to tan in. Oh, okay. We had a we had a guy actually I played over in Hungary once and this guy had a little blow up one and he wanted to sleep I don't know three inches from me all year and the guy had the worst gas in the world and it was just a nightmare for <laughs> two years playing with this guy because I knew as soon as I saw him heard him blowing up that mattress I was just going to sit through a fart fest for another six hours so. <laughs> just ripping ass no the smelliest things occur on the bus rides let me tell you my God. <laughs> Speaking of like this, this I'm going back. I'm going to go to the Hounds here. And there's a couple of things you're going to bring up with the Hounds, but I know when you got dealt there, there was a a good young like young squadish of sorts. Tyler Candy was younger. Jeff Carter was younger. Of course, Tyler Candy is a good friend of the show. Uh, then obviously Trevor Daly was there. But uh, in terms of you being with the Hounds, you sent me a picture. Okay, uh, on on Facebook when we were chatting, you sent me a picture of some uh, of something that you received from the Hounds. It was an MVP trophy, which sounds great and all, but let's get honest. This is one of the saddest trophies that I will agree that I have ever seen. Please explain this to our listeners. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the uh, getting traded up there first of all was 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 amazing. Again, I said it was on my birthday, but like uh, the like I said, the team up there was was. Unbelievable. We had a great young core of guys. Um, I got traded for Rob Heisey, who's actually I work with now in Oakville. Um, we do a couple, you know, teams together uh, for coaching, so I help him out with his goalies. Um, but you know, it was the end of the year, and there'd been a few issues before uh, with our team, and I don't know if you know what it was. 
about the trophies that year, but they came out with the the MVP, the best defenseman, whatever it was, all the trophies that they give out to everybody, best rookie. And so they give you a little memento after, and I thought it would be, you know, a gift certificate would have been beautiful. And uh, it was this hunk of plastic that, honestly, you can't tell from the picture, but it might weigh an eighth of a pound. Like, it's, it's almost floating in the air, it's so light, but... It was just, it was confusing. I never, never really understood. I never got anything for it. They just kind of said, you know, you're the MVP of the team. Here's a piece of plastic. And that was, that was basically it. And I've had it using as a paperweight for, for most of the time I've had it. But uh, I found it the other day. It's, uh, it's never really been displayed. So player trophy and it was given to you and there's no goalie evidence at all. It's like you played out. Greyhounds. Oh yeah, yeah, full on, full on guy taking a wrist shot, I think, or something like that, or a slap shot. Um, really uh, baffling. <laughs> give their goalie of the year award a player. That's, uh, I think they were supposed to give the award to somebody else, and they forgot, and they said, "Now, just give it to Adam." <laughs> well, that's what that's that's how I got drafted too. I think they said the wrong name at the podium, so I always hurry up really quick whenever somebody says my name because I never know what I'm gonna get. <laughs> Now, you know what? Honestly, uh, there was – we get to a few other things, obviously, about the Greyhounds. But uh, the one thing that I wanted to bring up uh, right, off the, right off the hop here before we transition to other things was, of course, you were coached by uh, John Van Beesbrook at the time there. And obviously, at your time with the Greyhounds, we had an unfortunate uh, incident happen. We have to occur with the organization where there was a racist remark towards uh, Trevor Daly from John Van Beesbrook. And everyone that knows the story, uh, of course, understands it fully. For those that don't, you, it's definitely worth a search. I'm not going to dive into the full details of what was said, but I think with me mentioning what it was is quite evident. Uh, so you were part of the team when that happened. Could you give maybe a little bit of the piece of what ha- like what happened behind the scenes then or the aftermath of it all? Because obviously that was an extremely serious issue and it got addressed immediately when it was all known, of course. Uh, and you being a part of that uh, and part of the atmosphere, especially with a team that was so young, right? at the time with Carter, Kennedy, and uh, the crew, even Daly was, uh, wasn't even 19 yet, if I remember at the, at the time. So, you know, this occurred, what was the aftermath and what was being a part of that room like when everything started coming to fruition and change? Yeah, it was, it was interesting time for sure. And it was, a lot of it was, was stories of, of what he said, because it wasn't in front of everybody. It was said directly to two people. And if you read the story, you'll find out who those two guys are. Um, and it was basically uh, John trying to get uh, those two guys to get Trevor motivated because he didn't feel like he's motivated. Again, we were on a six or seven game losing streak. We were trying to make playoffs and his, his demeanor had changed around the rink, uh, Van Beesbrook, where he, he was getting a little more angry. I don't know what was going on with it because I, I don't really know what's going on behind the scenes with him. But um, anyway, so he I guess he drove around one night after, I think it was probably our sixth loss in a row. So he drove around to everybody's billet house. And I remember he came down and he uh, came down the stairs, just kind of looked at me. I was on the, you know, old computer, probably trying to get the dial up to work or whatever it was. And uh, he just came down and said, hey, how's it going? I said, yeah, I'm, I'm home. And then he went back upstairs and got in the car and drove around to, I guess, everybody's house is what it said. And then when he, when he saw the two guys that he wanted to, um, to get Trevor motivated instead of calling Trevor, he used uh, used a word that uh, you know obviously we don't want anybody to use, and it's it's a 
huge issue that there's 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 hate like that in the world still. But uh, wh- whatever he said, it was. Um, I know he has some deep wounds, and and he tried to apologize for whatever whatever he did. But uh, you know, he was gone pretty quick. It was it was uh, he came into the room the next day. Basically, Trevor had left. Bobby Orr told him to go home. And uh, John came in the next day, kind of apologized to us and left. And we didn't really ever see him again. Um, so, I mean, that's a basis of what I know from the story. Um, again, it was, it, was, it was two other players that, that heard everything that happened. And it was, it was through, through them what we'd heard. So. Yeah, certainly you brought up a key thing there where today... Obviously, it's still a very big issue, which is so unfortunate, right? And, you know, it's there's no place, obviously, for that. And knowing John, even outside that, I've met him a few times when I was younger. And actually, just a handful of years ago, I had the opportunity to see him. And I still see him say hi, right? But obviously, I can imagine that the regret that he feels. But nonetheless, it was addressed uh, right away. And, of course, it's certainly something that's remembered a lot here uh, in the Sioux, especially uh, with Trevor. So, Alex. Well, when it comes to the Sioux, uh, what about things on a lighter note? What kind of stories do you remember from your uh, little stint here in the Sioux? Well, I guess uh, I guess the, the basically staying on, kind of tailing off that story. The um, <laughs> the first day, basically, that Steve Harrison, our assistant coach, got promoted, obviously, because John was gone. So he's now our head coach. And he came in the first day, was all pumped up. You know, I, I had had him as assistant coach as well in Erie. Uh, I think when I was when I was 15 or 16, and then so he came in. We had a great practice, absolutely unbelievable practice. Everybody was buzzing. It was you know did a good job of kind of keeping everybody motivated, and because we only had you know four or five games left in the season, and we we're fighting for a playoff spot. And um, so after the practice, we're doing like we like a lot of times we do. We you know D men go on one end, and maybe they do power play in the other, or whatever whatever it is. There's some sort of work going on. And so they're doing power play work in my end. Um, I got scored on, and I just kind of whacked the puck out of the net. Puck rolls up on my stick. Um, Harry, Steve Harrison's coming in to kind of instruct the D-man that he should have had the backdoor pass that they scored on the empty net, and I was probably thinking the same thing. But <laughs> the puck came off my stick perfectly and pegged uh, Harrison right between the eyes, and there's just start, blood just starts going everywhere. And he, honestly, he took it... <laughs> right between the eyes and he just dropped like I thought for a second I thought I I'd killed him and uh he is the most mild-mannered guy in the world I didn't hear him swear he's like oh geez and he like grabbed it and just get off the ice and he wasn't really even that mad but what a terrible way to kind of get your first day in as a head coach in OHL to have just a puck rifle off your your te- your, your forehead by your starting goalie <laughs> for absolutely no reason <laughs> Welcome to the position. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you want to get her own no helmet on? Maybe go put on a visor on or something. I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's a that's a memento. He should have kept that puck for memorabilia's sake. Yeah, and I don't know if you remember too the old uh, Sioux Gardens there. They used to run. They used to have joggers go around the top. Like there used to be a little track where people would go in or they walk around. They still they still oh, do. Yeah. They all, stopped. they all stopped and they were gathering around and all making sure he was okay. And it was, it was quite a commotion when it happened. It was, it was kind of weird. Oh, that gardens was awesome for playoff hockey. My yeah. God. 
that garden was absolutely sick. Now they rename it's called the GFL Gardens. Now it went through uh, two different names since, of course, Steelback and of course SR Center is what it was called prior. But now got the GFL Memorial Gardens, giving a little bit of free plugs and advertisement to some businesses. But nonetheless, the still actually it's the the upstairs portion is very open, so it makes sense still. But they still. <laughs> Don't make enough seating. And I don't mean to shit on the city of Sault Ste. Marie at all, of course, uh, but they, they, they only put, I believe, park, correct me if I'm wrong, 4,600 was the amount of seats in there. Uh, around there like 4600 seats i think is what the total is there and there and they can't like they're trying to qualify for getting a royal cup here but uh, that might be a factor where they may or may not get it because the attendance yeah they for hockey it's uh 4928 that's it that's it just under five but nonetheless going to the next topic brooksy yeah, well, this is something we talk a lot about on the show, and, uh, you know, we've had some uh, amazing guests like yourself here. I want to talk about your draft day. You know, uh, to go first round, 29th overall, it's it's such an amazing thing. And uh, I just, you know, curious about the story. You know, were you – did you always know where you were going in the first round? You know which team? Uh, uh, how much uh, interviews did you have with uh, different teams, and uh, what were they like? Oh yeah, the uh, the draft. I mean, it was it was pretty cool. I remember everything leading up to it. Like we had the the NHL Combine in Toronto. I just remember my dad dropping me off and you know then giving me these cotton shorts and this cotton shirt that's just going to be just the worst for just absorbing sweat and making. Well, me as a guy that was always kind of teetering on kind of heavy, they always wanted me light. So I was like, I'm not weighing in with this cotton shirt on. I got to go shirtless to weigh in. So I was like come on, you could have given me something a little bit lighter than this. Anyway, so we went to the, the combine, whatever, did all my stuff there. I remember puking after the, the VO2 test, but I did it in like some back office where I knew nobody would see me because I wanted to get, get as many uh, interviews as possible. And then I think I had, jeez, uh, oh, I want to say probably 12, 12 or 14 interviews with, with a number of teams. I can't remember all of them. And uh, the best one was Chicago. Uh, I remember sitting down. And one of the scouts just like tossing an apple towards my head, and then I kind of just watched it go by. And I was like, what "The hell?" He's he said, "Oh, why didn't you stop that?" And I was like, oh, "I was going wide." And I think <laughs> that, that, that was like the only good line I had the whole week. And I was just kind of shocked that the guy just tossed an apple at my head. But um, I thought maybe he was trying to say something about my weight at that time or something, like just tossing <laughs> fruit and vegetables at me all day, maybe. Um, but yeah, so after that, you know, we had the combine. Had I had a year that was pretty successful as well. Um, so going there, I thought maybe you know second round, which is day two. They used to do the first round, day one TV, and I think the second through eighth was the second day, if I remember correctly. And um, so we're getting near the end of the the first round, and uh, it was back when they didn't have the, the digital or anything like that. It was it was down in Florida. Um, I actually had kidney stones at the time too, um, which was not a lot of fun moving around. <laughs> moving around, and um, it was yeah, the 28th pick happened, and I kind of started looking around, and where we were sitting, a bunch of cameramen came came over, kind of in the general direction, and then I kind of leaned back because I had a perfect view where I could see the next names going up on the board because somebody would grab these big, huge, you know, one foot by six foot signs to be putting them up like uh, the Fenway Fenway Park sort of, and. Uh, 
he, I saw my name and I said, I just leaned over to my dad and I said, dad, I, you know, bet you a million dollars. I go next. And he's like, yeah, you know, we're waiting for tomorrow or wait for the next round, whatever it is. And so lo and behold, we, we hear Chicago go up. And as soon as I heard Erie, I, I kind of remember that I didn't think we had anybody else in the draft that year. So, but, and Carlo Koyak had already gone, you know, 21 picks earlier. Um, so I kind of figured that, that it was me. So I kind of got excited, went up there, uh, kind of walked up and I remember Gary Bettman saying welcome to the NHL got the jersey you know big smile ear to ear probably the worst interview you I don't know if you can find it online anywhere but probably the one of the worst interviews after where I just kind of stumbled out words saying I want to be like Patrick Waugh and you know didn't really know what I was going to say at all probably the worst interview ever and then Went around back to the, the the back rooms. Parents came down, got to meet everybody, and that was basically it. I remember doing photos and and you know getting the cards done, and they're giving me uh, Jofa player sticks to hold on to, like wooden Jofa player sticks, and uh, that was basically it. They said you know you're gonna come to to Chicago in in two weeks or whatever it was to do some fitness tests and skate for us, and make sure we didn't make a bad choice. And from then on in, it was just working day in and day out trying to trying to get up there. See, and that's the thing is, like, with being at the draft, and, you know, we've heard, like Brooksy said, we've heard some funny stories about teens, but you, I think, saying that you dodged that apple, saying it went wide, I guarantee you, okay, that that stuck out in their head to, yeah, we got to pick this guy. (laughs) I mean, I I hope so. um, It's something that that I'll always remember. I hope they remember it as well because, God knows, they, they must have done, you know, 60 who knows how many interviews actually i wouldn't even want to think about how many interviews they've done i know there was 70 or 80 players there i thought so they probably interviewed them all um so at least they were they were probably getting bored at that time too who knows i don't remember what time it was. it was it was probably later in the afternoon it was one of my last ones so they were probably trying to keep the room a little bit livelier because at that point they probably all want to go to dinner or have a beer or something at that point so <laughs> and you mentioned to me uh, that when speaking of the job, before we go to the next topic, I, uh, Jason Bakashua, which of course is friends with Brooksy and had on the show, you mentioned you listened to that show. Uh, he went three spots ahead of you to Dallas, and he played in Plymouth for a year. Uh, there must have been a reason for you bringing up this episode. Is this someone that you got to know, or just because it's a guy who went three spots ahead of you, you had to bring it up? <laughs> oh, no. I mean um... – I, I don't know how many times we we would have played against each other. I always respected him, respected his game. I thought he was, you know, more advanced than I was. So I was kind of watching him trying to pick stuff up the following year because I was like, okay, how's he doing that? And every goalie kind of, I don't know if they judge, you know, compare themselves to the other goalie on the other end or, or try to learn from them um, throughout a game as well and just pick up little things. But, you know, going that one goalie spot ahead of me was always kind of like, you know, I thought it was going to be a third goalie that year. So, I didn't know when they said goalie at that time. I was kind of like, okay, then that was kind of surprising. We thought it was going to be a long time before another goalie's pick. So when he went 26, I was like, you know, I'm going to be here till fourth, fifth round, which is still, I mean, to get drafted regardless where you go. It doesn't, is, you know, the more I look back now, the more I'm like, what does it matter where, where you get drafted? You get an entryway and you get a, a ticket to kind of show yourself to an NHL team no matter where you go at any point, right? So, um, but as a young young kid, 18 year old kid, you know, you, you wanted to be, I wanted to be the top guy. Um, obviously they had two other goalies going in the top 10. So, 
Um, after that, I, I thought it was, you know, I had a good enough year where I should have been number three. Um, but looking back, I mean, Cash is a great goalie. I mean, he's still playing now, I believe. I mean, that's that's unbelievable to be able to have a career that long and also, you know, have NHL on your resume. And he's played in some amazing places from what I've, what I've seen. Yeah, he's, yeah he's done terrible practice goalie, though. Oh, my oh God. so, so was I. Uh, were you? That's maybe that's why you got some stuff in common there. But man, oh, I, he used to frustrate me. He was my roommate too. Man, did he ever frustrate me in practice sometimes? But when it came game time, you know, like yourself, you could. He'd always find ways to get the wins for us uh, when we really needed them. So, you know, I guess it works not being a practice goalie. <laughs> well, they always said Mike Vernon was the worst practice goalie that they've ever seen, and he he had a pretty good career. It, I mean, it gets it gets tiring too. That's the other thing. You get pucks fired at you. You, you know, maybe the boys go out and they drag you out with them, and all of a sudden, you know you got to get stuff shot at you at uh, 10 in the morning after, you know, you're fighting one off. I don't know. It, it, for some days for me, I was just like, ah, no, thank you. Oh, 100%. It'd be the last <laughs> thing I'd want to do. Because I remember a few of those days, I didn't even want to skate down and shoot the puck at you. <laughs> uh. Before we jump into the AHL and NHL, I want to transition to the participation quickly with your international level for Canada. You know, you, you only had a, just a, like under a handful of games, but in particular at the Spangler, you played and shared the crease with Justin Pogge and Devin Dubnik. You shared a dressing room uh, previous uh, with the previous special edition guest, Jason Strudwick, uh, and obviously many others as a full team of great players. But what about that experience in the international level with Canada? That just must have been a priceless moment for you. It could have been for sure. It really could have been. I mean, it wasn't bad, but I mean, I was always kind of turned off by by not even getting invited to the World Juniors. Um, being a first round pick, you know, just having a good year, I thought for sure, I'd get invited there, and then never even not even an invite uh, to a summer camp or anything. So it was it was kind of you know kind of rubbed the wrong way that way. But then I got a chance with them when I was playing over in Switzerland in the the Deutschland Cup and. Um, we played a Swiss challenge game against Switzerland in Switzerland with Swiss referees. So imagine how that game went, um, <laughs> you know, so then they bring over Dubnik, uh, Pogi and myself for the three goalies for the, for the Spangler cup. And I remember the, uh, Pat Quinn was our coach, I believe. And he just basically told me, you know what, you're not going to play. You're just going to kind of come here for a good holiday. And, you know, living in Switzerland, it is only a, Two or three-hour drive, so it wasn't really a big holiday. <laughs> I could have gone somewhere else. Sort of. <laughs> it, it was still an honor to, you know, to represent the country in the Spangler Cup. But I mean, I played, I think, two periods, and uh, I think it was, I don't know which game it was. Pogi got tossed out. He tried to fight somebody, and he got tossed out of the game. And and Dubnik went in, but then I guess my phone started blowing up. I was outside. I was on about my th- my third Frankfurter and, and my fourth Hefeweizen. And my phone's blowing up, and they're like, "Hey, you gotta get dressed and go in, just in case Dubnik goes down. You might just, you might have to play." And I was like, oh, "There's no chance my stuff fits right now. Like, I'm pretty deep <laughs> into this one right now." <laughs> so I hustled in there, and then I don't know if it was Pat Quinn between periods just looked at me. He's like, "Nope." And then that was basically it. I just went back out and found another hot dog to eat. Yeah, it's pretty. It's quite the setup there. You know, I was fortunate enough to play two times there at the Spangler with Canada, and. Uh, it's, it's quite the uh, spectacle they put on there because during the season, as you would know since you played there, it's, uh, it's kind of a ghost town other than the, you know, going to the hockey rink. But then during the Spangler Cup town, that entire city is packed. 
Yeah, they, they mean, team, don't get me wrong, Team Canada does a great job. They really did an amazing, amazing job putting it all together. Um, we, I think we, we got second that year. We lost in the finals. But you're right, like the whole the whole town, the way they have it set up, it's just like a party atmosphere. It doesn't sleep for, you know, two weeks or whatever, or a week and a half or however long the, it is. It's really, really a cool atmosphere. And the outdoor practice that you do as Team Canada is, is you know, everybody talks about it. And it was pretty, pretty entertaining to, to do that as well. It's just awesome overall to, you know, at least be there. But that story is hilarious of Pat Quinn, not surprised. Alex? <laughs> yeah, you've had quite, quite a number of uh, pretty storied coaches. You had a guy like Pat Quinn, like you mentioned. Uh, you played in the CHL Top Prospects game and had Bobby Orr. But I think it's pretty cool that when you got to Chicago, you got to uh, hang out a little bit with uh, Vlad Tretiak. Uh, what were some of the things that uh, he was trying to instill in you as their goalie coach at the time? Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, he, he was like he was one of the goalies I grew up idolizing, I had this book. I remember, like, you know, goalies are weird. I remember my mom reading me goalie books, like Vladislav Trechak goalie books before I went to bed, Grant Fear goalie books before I went to bed. Those are my nighttime stories, as weird as it is. And, you know, like they say, goalies are a little bit weird. But so I had a huge respect for, for Trechak when I, when I came to Chicago. And um, basically from the second I got there, I don't know if I don't know if he ever really liked me. Um <laughs> We were doing summer training, and uh, he would do these these long drills, and then he would always just remind me that it had to have the intensity of a thousand cats, and that was basically it. Like we were doing somersaults and two pad stack drills a lot, um, and it was really I don't know, you know the game changed every ten to fifteen years. I don't know if it was dated or if he just you know maybe they flew him in and he didn't want to be there sort of thing, but he his words of advice my first year with him was was have the intensity of a thousand cats and that he would repeat that to me so much. And, uh, I don't know if I ever got the intensity of a thousand cats, but it might've been close. Um, so then eventually I think it was the Oh three Oh four year, maybe the lockout year. He came into Norfolk for two weeks, I think it was, or a week and was supposed to work with me basically by himself or, or with, uh, Craig Anderson or Mike Layton. There's a bunch of us there. And he was on the ice with me privately, for an hour before practice and we did um one one drill it was you face the net you turn around quick and he shoots it basically at your head and then he stopped after that drill and for the next 45 minutes we talked and it was stories um mainly about how bad i was and how if if i (laughs) if i came out to the arena in norfolk which held you know eight or nine thousand people if i went out there and started waving to the people, they wouldn't know who I was. But if he went out in Russia to 100,000 people, they would all cheer for him. And it was just basically a beatdown session for about 45 minutes of, you know, I, I didn't know if I wanted to play goalie, to be honest with you, after that that talk. <laughs> and I was just kind of sitting there. I remember going in and talking with uh, Leighton and Anderson. I was like, does he talk to you like this? And I don't know. I guess it was just me. So... There was something that maybe was – I don't think he was involved in the draft pick, so maybe there was something from that. Um, you never know where, where, where coaches get their inspiration or, or what they're trying to do to you. I mean, I know coaches have all these different viewpoints on how they should treat players and, and ways to drive them, but that you know definitely wasn't a good driving point for me when I was, <laughs> no. looking, at, I was looking to sell myself at a garage sale about five minutes later. <laughs> <laughs> looking to be quick buck. Uh. <laughs> And it's one of those things, you know, when a coach is doing that, you just have to sit there and take it. As much as you want to say something like, really? Really? This is what you're saying to me right now? 
it's mm-hmm. uh, it's one of those things you just you just you know sit back you take it and uh, you move on and you try to figure out why the hell would he try to talk to me like this because it makes no goddamn sense. It's it's more insulting one on one. That's the worst part. If it was in front of everybody, it would have been like okay, he's trying to motivate. You. But one on one, I really felt like he meant it, which was the worst part. I was just like. He dragged me aside to do a 45-minute talk, and it was just like, all right, you know, whatever. At that at that point in my career, it kind of helped me to the point where I was like, I don't care anymore. You know what? If somebody's going to call me terrible, you know, because goalies, you know, everybody either loves them or hates them. So you're not going to win everybody over. Just go out there and play your game. So it, in, in fact, it kind of did help in a weird Long drain. So he did his job, is what you're saying. <laughs> he did his job. I don't know. He's got some sort of mind meld on me, or whatever he's got. So. <laughs> See, and the one thing I want to say, and this kind of ties into um, the kind of the first game kind of things, because you you told me about a YouTube clip. We're st- obviously to let listeners know we're sticking with obviously his professional exposure now on the East Coast, AHL, NHL, etc. Uh, you sent me a link to various YouTube links, I should say. And one of those links was the full game, hour and 58 minutes, which uh, I believe it showed the full game. But when you first click the link, it says you are listening to the, or you are watching the NHL network on Bell Express view. Okay. So (laughs) when you hear Bell Bell Express view, that's obviously not a thing anymore. So that's the thing, but it was actually not as grainy as I thought it was going to be. It was a decent quality. And it was a game between Chicago and Nashville. Okay, and it was your first NHL game, and it was a pretty darn exciting game. Okay, obviously you made some solid saves in overtime, and there's the spoiler for me right there. It was a 2-2 game that went into overtime, uh, of course, and after overtime, guess what? This might be forward to some of our listeners, but it ended in a tie. There was no such thing after. There was no shootout, no three-on-three, no additional overtime, nothing like that. It ended literally in a tie. And at the end of the game, Vokun decides to get into a brawl after there was a hit at the end of the game by Jim Vandermeer, who obviously was known to never be shy to lay the body. Uh, and Vokun gets into the brawl, and then you skate and chuck it down the ice, okay? And you're going down to the ice, and something happened in between all that that you were or were unable to do. I'll let you explain it. Oh, yeah. So, you know, obviously everybody's dream first game. It was just – it was interesting how I found out because I had been called up – I want to say probably 10 days earlier, maybe 14 days earlier. And I just rode the pine. I was like, well, this is, you know, a great seat. I appreciate them flying me, flying me here and get me a great seat on the bench. It's, you know, really nice of them to uh, let me watch hockey this way. But, you know, I didn't think I was going to play that game because uh, no one had talked to me really since I got called up. I was just honestly trying to hide in the shadows and hopefully they didn't notice that I was still there. Uh, so they couldn't give me a plane ticket home. And so we fly into Nashville and the day before me and uh, I think it was uh, Tyler Arneson, Jim Vandermeer and myself went to dinner and uh, we went out, you know, you're in Nashville, we're a thousand points out of playoffs. So we went out for a drink or two. Um, it wasn't too late. And then we ran into the coaches at, uh, at one of the bars and, uh, you know, a, a fight ensued, which, which, which was well documented in the paper between one of the one of the players, one of the coaches, and um, I came down basically to to see the little scuffle and and it's quickly broken up by some of the I think the fans, the like Nashville fans and Chicago fans had, had broken it up. 
And uh, then we just kind of relaxed for a minute and we're like, okay, we're going to go home. And then one of the assistant coaches at the time, I forget it was, kind of grabbed me by the arm and said, hey, by the way, I don't know if anybody told you, you're starting tomorrow. And this was midnight. Um, and <laughs> I'm just like, oh, okay. He's like, you will probably want to, you know, go home, get a, get, get some sleep. So um, hustled back to the hotel, went to, tried to go to sleep, you know, was just staring at the ceiling all night now and uh, woke up, did pregame skate, blah, 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 blah. Would, went to the rink. Um, I think we were up one, nothing going to the third. And I was like, you know, in my head after the second, I'm like, this is great. You know, I'm getting to shut out my first game. You know, <laughs> No, no big deal. This league's not as tough as people were saying. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, the second period, I think I let in kind of a bad, kind of a weak one. I might have saved into the net, and I was like, oh no, okay, this is not good. And they scored pretty quickly after that. I think I tried to make a two pad sack save or something, and then we tied it late. And then so end of the game, it's like you said, two two tie. You know, no way of ending it. So what happened a lot of time back then I felt like at the end of ties it was either like nobody cared and they left or there was some sort of brawl because someone had a chance at the last second and the person just tackled them or whatever it was. So there was a little fight in the corner. I think it was Mark Bell, like you said, Vandermeer, some other guys and then Vukum got, got involved. So me, I was just happy the game was over. You know, I got my first game done, two goals against pretty good game. I think 30 something shots, whatever it was. And then I see the little kerfuffle in the corner and the other end. So I kind of, start skating out, you know, kind of quickly. And then I hear our coach yell, no. So I said, okay, it's my first game. I better listen to the coach. <laughs> um, and then I see the players like, what, what are you doing? Why are you holding them back? Let them go. Um, and then eventually that's why I was so, so delayed. I was kind of in a conversation with the bench and the coach finding if I should go or not. And then it was a delayed reaction where I started skating down full tilt. Never, I've never hit that speed again. I've been trying for a long time but I've never hit that same speed as how fast I skated down there. And then as I get there, I'm just ready to kind of go after Fukun. The ref, all I could hear is, what are you doing? <laughs> all I said to him was, hey, man, it's my first day. And he just laughed and he said, if you go stand over there, I'll give you two minutes. And I said, okay, you know, I'll stand over here. My bad. I didn't want to you know, cause too much of a, a commotion on my first day. And then it was, it was kind of insulting because if you watch a clip, I, you can see me probably mouthing some words to Fukun. Didn't get one like one response from him. He just ignored me. Like I wasn't there. I didn't exist. And that was, you know, in my mind, way more insulting than if he did respond with, with some, some words back, but it was just, you know, I got a good skate, got two minutes for it and got my only penalty in the NHL. So, Hey, might as well do it on my first day on the job. You got on the score sheet. <laughs> so, so after that, uh, did you have, were you able to get a night out in, in, uh, in Chicago? Were you able to get some time out or? Oh, there was yeah, there was a few of those nights for sure. Yeah. There was <laughs> that that city is a blast. Oh yeah, there, there's got to be some stories you have there from going out because uh, I was able to. I played there one year and I was I couldn't believe how much there was to do in Chicago. There was just something to do every night if you wanted. Yeah, it's a it's a huge city. I mean, I mean the stories. Uh, I, I couldn't even remember one specific one. There were it was just a lot of fun. The city was great, and everybody always, always asks, "Where's your favorite city to play?" And most people's trigger response is the place they played in the NHL, probably. But mine's pretty genuine. Of you know that city is amazing. Like we would go there in the summer for for summer training, and half the time it'd be on the beach, which before you know 
before I got there, I didn't even know there's a beach in Chicago. I thought, you know, a ton of, ton of lake. I know the lake that we have in, in Hamilton here. And, you know, you're stepping around syringes when you're walking around. But, you know, I didn't think of a, a, a beach like they had there. So the city's, you know, it's unbelievable. And uh, the people you meet, just pretty genuine people as well. Chicago is uh, definitely – I went out to enjoy a Blue Jays and Cubs game, and they're passionate about their uh, Cubs there too and about their teams, the Chicago's, uh, certainly. But there's uh, – obviously, before I go to one thing, I'm going to let Parr uh, ask something uh, related to when you were playing. Yeah, do you remember uh, January 26th, 2006, by any means? Um, that would have been – Either I got yanked or I got a shutout because there's probably no other reason you bring it up. <laughs> it was the, it's the shutout. It's the shutout. You played okay. against Calgary, and it looks like uh, the Associated Press wrote here, Chicago rookie Adam Monroe outdueled one of the NHL's elite goalies and then earned his first shutout in the process. Do you remember anything from that game where you're going up uh, head-to-head against Mika Kippersoff? Yeah, I mean, that, that game, you know, we were – Again, those those years I played in Chicago was it's not like they were in in the golden years there. We were really far to playoffs, and uh, it was it was tough because most nights it was just it was a lot of work in that, and especially being a young guy against top players, you're getting a lot of uh, a lot of chances. I think one game against Tampa Bay, I think they had like six breakaways in the first period or something, and I think four or five of them was Le Cavalier, and I was like, this isn't right. So. Fast forward to a couple of years later, we're talking about that game. Um, we played a great game. Like I think that game might be up on, on YouTube as well, but we played a really good game that game where it was like I didn't have a lot of good chances against me. Guys were back-checking, blocking shots, and it was just really well played. And with maybe, I want to say, under 30 seconds left, Kyle Calder made a save for me. I... Like I did when I was younger, I got in the snowman motion on my back, and I was just doing snow angels. And just being a young goalie and pretty scrambly at the time, like it was always my go-to. I was just flopping around, just just lost out there. And I was like, oh, no, I saw the guy get the puck. I don't know who it was. It might have been Amante for Calgary at the time. <clears throat> he got the puck. He had a wide open net, and I'm like on my back, looking at him on my back. Like, okay, you have an open net. I can't really move. Just score, get it over with. And then Calder came in and made a huge save, and I was like, okay, this is unbelievable. I just got my first shutout. And then I was thinking that I think they had one more shot. And I was already thinking like, ah, I got it done. And they, they had another one, but it was, you know, for a goalie, you dream of getting that shutout in the NHL. And um, fortunately, you know, I got that. And, and thanks to Calder for, for the save to kind of give him an assist on that one. You should have given him your puck when he got it. <laughs> yeah, right. I, sh- I should have. I should have. I think he's got enough of those now. I'm sure he got a few games in the NHL. <laughs> And there's one thing I want to say, speaking of kind of being in the crease, all right, this is kind of kind of a a question that I think makes sense for the when you got drafted first round by Chicago, there was a crowded crease with the Hawks. Okay, obviously, we already talked about uh, you already brought up there was Anderson, there was Mike Layton was there, there's obviously Corey Crawford was there when a young Corey Crawford, there was Nikolai Happy Bullen, of course, who I've heard hilarious stories about Nikolai Happy Bullen too, but we <laughs> dive into that. Uh, and overall, it just seems like it was a crowded crease uh, in Chicago. And you can look at Jocelyn Tebow was a veteran, like, and the list just goes on. Uh, Steve Passmore was someone too, who whom we've had as a guest on the show. So like, it just goes on the list as I mentioned. And would it have been different 
per se. Like, I obviously you're excited. You got happy. You got drafted uh, first round into Chicago. But was there another team that you would have rather went to, or you think that you maybe if you would have went to another team where maybe the goaltending depth wasn't as strong, that potentially maybe it would have kind of changed your career to maybe have a longer tenure in the NHL, let's say. I mean, yeah, I think goalies can always look back like that. There's there's always going to be those teams that have stacked goalies or, or, or really deep in goaltending. And, you know, similar to, to baseball, I don't feel like they ever want to trade pitching. They don't ever want to trade goalies as well. And, you know, it is what it is. You, you work with what you got, and, you know, you learn a lot from those guys. Like I learned a lot from, from playing with from Passmar. I thought he was, you know, unbelievable for me as a young guy helping me along because, you know, when I got drafted, I was kind of lost, like I said, with, with my goalie coach at the time being Trechak and getting a lot of negative feedback and having Passmore as kind of uh, a positivity in the other ear was, was was really beneficial for me. So having uh, veteran guys like that is, is great to have, but when you have three or four young guys that are all capable of, of playing in the, in the AHL or NHL as a backup or whatever it was being young, um, yeah, it's tough. You know, you look at other teams, you're saying, you know, I, you know, they're only two guys deep, their third guy, whatever. In your mind, you're, you're thinking this. I'm sure players do it the same way where they're saying, I'm playing third line here, but I could play first line on this team sort of thing. So, you know, you have that, but it's just, you know, you can't control where you get drafted and it's unfortunate, but I had chances in other spots too, like uh, going to Columbus's camp, the Leafs camp. Um, I, you know, had other opportunities where, where teams were looking for goalies and they, they went outside and got me. So um, it's it's not to say that I have chances. And who knows if I got drafted somewhere else, what would have happened? It's it's a really really tough question to, to think about for sure. Um, kind of put you on the spot with it. I can't no, I mean no, it's yeah, it's fine, it's perfect, but it's it, you know. I could have uh, never even played a game pro with another organization. You never know. It's 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 just the way it worked out. Chicago was was a great op- opportunity and to to get some games at least and at least showcase myself and uh, then for some reason take off to Europe for a year. Uh, I don't really know why I did that, but um, you know, it's uh, it's all the mistakes you learn from hockey and hoping you pass on to the next crew that's coming coming along. Roxy. Yes. Well, you know, now it's time, you know, I want to talk about uh, your time overseas, you know, it's it's an area I've been a part of for a long time. I spent 12 years over there. So, you know, I'm just curious about, uh, you know, how was your time there in the KHL, Austria? You know, was there a spot that was your favorite or, uh, you know, was it just an experience that you were able to take it all in? Yeah, there was uh, Switzerland, Italy, Russia and Austria, I guess, and Hungary as well. But Hungary, I loved. I thought that was a great country to play in. They were in the Austrian league at the time. And it was just the people were so nice. It was just, you know, you could go to a restaurant after a game and people would buy you a drink or they, they try to talk to you. And, you know, you have your little conversations. As, as you know, Brooks, even you go over there, some of the language barriers, it's, it's tough to talk to people. And, uh, you know, Alcohol always helps them bring out their English for some reason, or, or me speaking Hungarian with the three words that I know, but somehow we make a conversation work, right? So, I mean, Hungary was beautiful. Russia, I mean, you always hear the horror stories about Russia and, you know, all that sort of stuff. I, you know, I'm pretty much in that same boat of, of you know, getting over to Russia was, was kind of an eye-opener. I, I had left the Marlies in Toronto to, to go over there. 
mid-season. Um, and there was only probably like 12 games left because it was the Olympic year. So um, I, I sign a deal. There's I look at the schedule and I say, well, why don't you guys have any games left? Like, what's going on? He's like, yeah, we have uh, like a six-week break for the Olympics. I'm like, okay, well, that's interesting. So the first day I fly in, I, I fly into to Latvia, sitting there waiting for a week until my uh, visa comes through. So I just kind of sat in a hotel in, in, in Latvia for a week. And they flew me in, landed, everything was all good. And you assume that you're probably going to go to a hotel. I dropped off my gear in the rink and they're like, okay, so let's just go upstairs real quick. And I thought upstairs. Okay. Maybe I'll meet the owner or something. And they walked me upstairs and there was like a, a couple, couple rooms. that looked like, uh, I don't know. I won't say prison cells, but pretty close. Um, and they just basically say, yeah, you're on the right here. And they put me in this room and it was just a little, little tiny, I don't know how big it would be. Maybe eight by eight foot room. And had a fan in the corner. Um, I don't think it worked. And then a guy walked in probably 10 minutes later with a sheet of paper. And I thought it was like maybe he wanted me to write out my last will and testament. But it was actually it was actually the toilet paper. <laughs> I was just like, are you like it was? It looked like paper. Like I thought it was printing paper for sure. So he said, here you go. This is for everything. I said, for everything. He's like, yeah, wash your face and whatever else you need to do. I was like, okay, this is definitely interesting for sure. This is a great start and. Um, get to practice, whatever. A couple couple weeks go by, and then I'm like, hey, do we ever get paid here? And so eventually they take me upstairs again. I said, I don't want to go back upstairs because I know the last time I went up there, he put me in a prison cell for three days. And uh, we walked to the end of the hallway, and there was this big, huge, like cartoonish-looking bank safe with a couple guys standing in front with machine guns, and they threw um, uh, a brown paper bag my way and it was just full of rubles and they said here you go here's for you know the, the time you were asking for so every time I wanted money I'd ask for it though so it was kind of unique in that aspect I've never been, I've been on a team like that before um, it's not too common I don't think but they would just take you upstairs and somebody would throw money at you and then I would just hop into a car tell them to drive me as close as they could to the, the bank because I didn't want them to know I was going to the bank and then uh, I'd send the money right home my God, it's so unique. All the stories you've heard about Rush, especially with Buddy, we've heard beauty stories. From David Ling was one. I know Trevor Gillies got into a couple funny stories as well. It's like, holy shit! I know when you won, I'm I'm gonna I was gonna try to say the team that you won with, but I am horrendous at saying names as Brooksy and Park both attest to. But so I, I'm, it starts with an S. The hockey team, the team that you won with. Can you say it for our listeners so they uh, know what I'm talking about? <laughs> You know what? I spent two years there, and I'll probably still butcher this, but uh, Sheikas Fahervar. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't have even come close. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a tough language. I'd say it's one of the toughest Hungarian and, and I think Finnish are some of the toughest languages to learn. Um, and it's just absolutely amazing. I didn't, you know, you'd see words, and then they just don't make sense uh, when, when you read them. But, it, you know, that was the, the country where, honestly, it was it was a blast to live there. People, again, were so nice. Um Hey, I kind of forgot we won the championship, to, to be honest, because you play in this Austrian league for the whole year, and then as a, one of the uh, we were the only Hungarian team that year. So once you get beat, we get beaten out of the playoffs. We got beaten out the first round. Um, you get bumped over to the Hungarian playoffs and just join them, kind of wherever they are. And I guess they were in the finals. The the one team had won it all, so we just kind of went in the finals and played the the finals against this team, and we were beating them like you know seventeen one and 
18 nothing. It was just it was kind of weird. And then so we won through that. I think I only played one game in that Hungarian play, in the Hungarian playoffs, and um, I was just saw some pucks to the far blue line trying to assist the whole game. <laughs> it's pretty entertaining, but it's really it's really weird. I mean, you you play the whole year, and they draw all the best players out of this Hungarian league to play on our team, and then they say, okay, now we're gonna go play this other team now that's you know basically our feeder our feeder team. Wild. See, that's just at least you had the opportunity to win over there too. But you know what, Par, I haven't given you the floor for a little bit here. I'm getting uh, you're up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's playing in Russia, machine guns, and just like, I don't know, when when you started playing your NHL career, what would you say was the most culture shock you had jumping from one league to another? Maybe that was going down from the E after seeing the amenities of the N or playing in North America, just jumping over to Russia. What was the uh, the biggest shift and adjustment you needed? I was fortunate. I was fortunate to, to start in the East Coast when I first started um in, in pro, like I went to Gwinnett, was uh, played when they first started up. Actually, they were an expansion team, so I started with them. I think they were affiliated with the Thrashers. So um, myself and Michael Garnett actually split games down there. And then, um, yeah, so I got called up to the American League, then up to the NHL, and then from the NHL directly back to the East Coast League. So it wasn't as big a shock as I'd already been there, but the shock from going from Toronto and, you know, I'd only ever been over to uh, Europe once to, to Switzerland and Switzerland, you know, as anybody knows is, is pretty, pretty much pretty beautiful, you know? So going, it's not to say that Siberia is, is bad, but the, the culture shock of just kind of getting there and uh, the, li- the difference in life, you know, there's not a lot of places over here that are, are minus, 40 the whole time you live there and when i landed in january to when i left in in april it was or, or march late march it was minus 35 i think was the high i ever saw so um it was it was pretty interesting that way of just getting used to the weather i guess it kind of sounds like winnipeg now they say it but um it's the i guess during the olympics we had these long runs and young kids are our, our team was coached by Tarasenko's father. So Tarasenko was on our team. Uh, Zaitsev was on our team. Uh, so a lot of good talent in the team I was on in Russia, but we would go for these runs and they they'd take us on these runs in this minus, minus 40 temperature. He's like, okay, now we do a quick 8k run. I'm like 8k out in minus 40 is not fun. I've never had, you're like breaking sweat off your eyebrows and stuff. And I've, ne- I've never felt the pain, like the the, the piercing pain of, of cold like you do when you go for a nice run through a forest with 20 other guys at minus 40, you know, 6 o'clock in the morning or whenever they woke you up. But it was uh, definitely, that was probably the biggest culture shock for sure. Yeah, you know, I, I know we were talking about the European side of things. I know we got a couple of things we're going to get to before we wrap up. But there's one thing about the American Hockey League that I wanted to plug in here quick. You had Doug Gilmore as an assistant coach with the Marlies. The killer himself, legend in Toronto. Uh, obviously, that how is he as an assistant coach? Okay, like I can tell by his social media. And I know Brooksy knows, obviously. we And I know Evan McGrath through Brooksy, whom is obviously a, a Doug Gilmore's son of obviously so the stories that kind of we've been told for him as a personality it must have been so much different with him having his assistant coach um yeah i mean it was definitely i don't i don't know how to explain it it's just so weird i mean you you watch a guy being a guy that would have cheered for, for the leafs growing up like growing up in Brantford. so my closest team is the leafs and when you know 
go to Maple Leaf Gardens all the time growing up. So seeing him around was was around the rink and my play I'm playing on that team was pretty cool. I mean, it was different once I got on the ice because all he wanted to do in between drills, like, you know, I'm the other goalie. I got to go listen to whatever the coach is explaining, even though it has nothing to do with me really. But, you know, he wants to do breakaways. He's like, I don't worry about that. Don't listen to him. I'm going to do breakaways on you in between drills. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. I've never seen a guy with, like, he doesn't really have a hard shot. Like, I don't know. Doug Gilmore's wrist shot is not hard. He just placed it so well where I would just be, like, sitting there, and he's 10 years or seven years removed from the game, and he's just sniping floaters on me. I'm like, okay, I don't understand how this is going in. It's baffling, <laughs> but he still had that skill. And I was just like, what? what is going on here? You're beating me with floaters. You're just kind of putting over top of me. And um, – it was just pretty cool to, to have him as a, an assistant coach at that time. Um, you could, you know, I think he left pretty quick that year. He might have been half the year he was there, and then I believe he went to Kingston after that. Um, another guy that we that I had as a, I guess, head coach too was was Denny Savard, and he would just come down and do spin around after spin around after practice, <laughs> and he'd be like thousand dollars a breakaway. I'm like Denny, I just got called up. Like no way. Like like a dollar maybe. Like what's going on there? He just wanted to always. Do these spinoramas every time you just see it coming, and you're just like, okay, here comes the spinorama, and it somehow worked, and you're like, okay, why did that work? And it just, I guess that's what makes great players um, when goalies just can't quite figure it out, you know? Like, uh, Brooks, you must be frustrated when when goalies on your team maybe figure out your tendencies over a year. Oh yeah. You know, and that's what kind of what I looked forward to doing throughout the whole year as, as a goalie was, you know, in practice you catch guys' tendencies, you understand in games there's gonna be tendencies as well, so you start picking that up. But with those two guys, I could never figure them out, and I was like, well, that's why they were <laughs> who they were, you know. They, it's just just amazing players. Were they amazing? Throwing you off with the wood sticks, probably too. <laughs> yeah, I was getting splinters <laughs> in my eyeballs. <laughs> Um, I actually have a question though about uh, you know your time there in Toronto with the Marlies is you know I'm just I've always been curious and I haven't asked this before to guys that we've had that have played there is you know the difference when you're with the Marlies and you know obviously the Maple Leafs are there I was just curious what it's like having you know both teams there and I know the Marlies get great support and I was just wondering what it was like around the city because I know the Maple Leaf guys are like gods there and I was just curious if you know, the Maple Leaf fans just jump right on board with all that. We definitely get some recognition around the, around the city. I mean, my goalies, you know, the masked men, not as much for sure, which is nice. Um, but if I would go out with, with, with Pogi or other guys on the team that would might've been getting called up, I think Yuri Tulusti was the big guy at that point was kind of in between. Um, but yeah, I mean, the the drawing to games wasn't the greatest in the world. Um, I think because you have the Leafs so close, it's kind of tough. Uh, but you know, the support the support from outside the rink was was great. It was it's tough having a team in this like a farm team in the same city as the NHL team. I felt really bad for for Justin Pogi and the way the Leafs kind of treated him there because you know he'd be practicing in the American League all week and then get called up and play an NHL game that day. And timing is so crucial with goalies that that timing change from NHL to, or AHL to NHL is, is going to throw you off. You know, just having a morning skate with an NHL team, it's going to throw off your timing a bit. And um, it takes a little bit to get accustomed to it when you get called up or sent down. Um, but I, I couldn't believe they're they're kind of doing that to him. And, you know, he was a really successful goalie and junior that uh, didn't really, you know, pan out with them. But uh, the whether that attributed to it or not, it's it's tough. But you know, the the support throughout throughout the city was was great. 
you know what, and Pogi. That was actually one thing I was going to bring up, and then I kind of just removed it from my mind with Pogi. And I've actually had the opportunity to talk to Justin on a Facebook a little bit as well. And, you know, he... I know he saw the opportunity to play in Germany uh, this past season, et cetera. But th- there was a time where, of course, Toronto traded Tuka Rass for Andrew Raycroft. And the people in Toronto marked that as the worst trade in history of the organization. I know there's other ones on top of that. But you have a goalie that had so much faith in, which would have been so much pressure to him. And he came into Toronto and he spent three years with the Marlies. And after he spent those three years with the Marlies, he got called up to Toronto and it wasn't the best when he did play because of the setup there. And what happened is after he had that short stint, brief time with the Leafs and the net time that he did go in the net, they just gave up on him. It seemed like, and then that would have been just absolutely diminishing to his confidence, especially for the American hockey league for a goaltender who actually didn't do too bad, uh, obviously with the Marlies in his time there, of course, you know, he, I felt that he had a couple good years. Even when you were there, you were right beside him. You actually had a lower GAA than he did. So not a big deal on that, but nonetheless, he, he, he honestly, I think got kind of the sword end of the stick after success, of the world juniors and all the pressure was just on him. So. Yeah, I could just imagine the pressure that he must have felt. And then James Reimer was coming up, who ultimately took over as the next comer at that time. But they recycled through how many goalies since too. So, yeah, they they went through a lot. Of, I mean, a lot of goalies. Even the the two years I was there. I mean, you have Pogi and obviously their experiment of having a goalie in the American League all year, calling him up to play games, didn't work out. But um, you know, you know, it would be tough on the confidence for sure. Um, really successful career though still playing in Europe and in the American League wherever he's played he's had he's had good years and you know the following year with with rhymes coming up too I was I was there for a little bit of that as well but I think they're already kind of set in stone they want to join McDonald to kind of be his his mentor and, and kind of bring him up um, you know it's 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 tough playing in a city like Toronto it's it's a difficult market um, some guys can handle it some guys can't I I, I don't understand that stuff at all is just, I don't know. It, it seems like we recycle goaltenders a lot in Toronto. Um, it's nice to see a guy like Anderson be around as long as he has. Um, obviously a guy like Jack Campbell comes and plays a couple of good games and they want to, they want to change everything again. But uh, you know, that's, that's the way of the market and that's the way of goaltending. It's always going to be that way. Everybody wants the next best thing. It seems like, um, but yeah, I mean, those, those years were, were kind of the build-up years for kind of Reimer to take over, and, and I didn't really realize it until until I was there my second year in Toronto, and Reimer got called up um, and just surpassed me. They said, "Yeah, you know, he's getting called up today, and now he's our starter." And it was, you know, eye opener, and that's what influenced me to go over to Russia. Was like, okay, this is over for me now. I guess <laughs> so. I'm just gonna kind of go overseas because when, when you're getting passed up like that as a goalie, it's it's tough on the confidence and uh, yeah, everybody wants to play, you know? Yeah. And that's the thing where, you know what, you did play a great career. You won in Europe too. So that's certainly exciting. Now, you know what, Adam, I wanted to get into one more thing before our, I would like to say patented bonus questions where we put you on the spot with a question each before we go to the conclusion, but your money goaltending that you're doing. I wanted to give you the floor on some promotion that you're doing now outside of the uh, post-career, I guess you should say, uh, post-playing, whatever you want to call it, uh, do with money, goaltending, give you a little, I want you to put as much plug as you want in that and tell the listeners what the life is of Adam Monroe beyond the game uh, and the crease. 
Yeah, so since I uh, I kind of stopped playing after I, I blew my knee out, tore my ACL in half, uh, playing ball hockey in the summer in between seasons, so you know, smart way to go out. Um, but you know, since that happened, I kind of focused on 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 coaching, and uh, probably a year or two after, I feel like that's what we all kind of need after you're done playing. You kind of need a year or two away from the game where you just kind of take a breath and you're like, okay, now I gotta figure it out. So did the same thing a lot of people do. Took a took a year or two, kind of trying to figure it out. Worked uh, with my parents a bit, and then started up this this goalie uh, goalie business, basically of of working with young goaltenders around the area, and uh, and teams around the area as well. And just trying to, as I get back to my negative comments from Vladislav Trechak, I, I focus so much on positivity and uh, getting these kids in, in a good mindset because the mindset of a goalie. Is, is a very delicate thing. And if you lose that, then, then you really fall down into a dark place as a goalie. And um, confidence is such a big thing as well. So um, it's uh, moneygoalie.com if you ever want to check it out. Uh, it's pretty new, but we're, uh, we're starting to pick up now around the Burlington area. So come check us out. Love that. Love that. Now, you know what? Obviously, we've had some individuals have those kind of contributing what they're doing after the game, and it's great to see you uh, doing that. And uh, it's definitely for a goaltender. If you ever need a shooter to come out there, you can get uh, Brooksy. I don't think you want to ask me. I'd be your second choice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you want some good clap bonds from the top of the circle, great. If you want a guy to drive the net, that's par. Uh, if you want a guy to <laughs> if it's someone who can do the Crosby deke, I'm your guy. But I'm eight goal for to the, to the Raptors with my backhand after flicking it over you. Uh, but Nonetheless, nonetheless, sorry, uh, going to our bonus questions, Adam, this is a, a question that we ask each. It's usually a one-word answer, but if you want to get into a story about it, if it has the humor behind it, feel free, of course. Uh, so it's a question each. I'm going to go first, par second, Brooksy will go third. Uh, kind of a good little kind of break way, so we we'll go to the full wrap-up point here. And to go first, what I'm going to ask you is, whom was your most competitive goaltending partner that you played with? Oh gosh, um, I would say Crawford. Crawford was, uh, you know, he was his rookie year, and uh, I was actually in net. I got, I got pulled to get him into his first NHL game. Um, but yeah, he was seeing that kid come up like right out of the junior into the pro his first year was, you knew he was gonna be something special. So you created his career then. Nonetheless, I opened it. I opened the door. I was like a, a doorman. <laughs> Par. Uh, yeah, I brought up earlier your NHL shutout, but of all the things you've done between OHL championships and championships overseas, what's kind of the moment that you can uh, hang your hat on and say, you know what, I, I played some pretty good hockey in my time? Um, my second last year, I got credited with a goal. Um, it was, uh, I, I always tell people I scored, but, uh, you know, to be honest with you, it was in the second period. Um, they scored on their own net and it was on delayed penalty and the ref came over and asked me if I wanted the goal and I told him no. I said, I don't want it. I want to score one. And he gave it to me anyways. I think there was a, a loss in the communication there is in Austria, but uh, yeah, so I got a goal um, second period. I don't know how many guys have scored in the second and it was, uh, we, I think we lost the game like six, four. So it wasn't even an important goal. Do you have the puck from that? No, no. I think uh, I think their defenseman flipped it over into the crowds. Some probably went to somebody's uh, Austrian beer over there. <laughs> That's I didn't. I forgot that you actually scored. You mentioned that to me. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, I forgot, Ruxy. 
Well, he didn't really score. No. Right, he scored. <laughs> he scored. He scored. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, I'm just curious uh, where the nickname Money comes from. Always got good questions, Brooksy. <laughs> well, I mean, I was always kind of in between getting different names for uh, nicknames for the uh, the last name. I guess Rosie Monroe. M- Money came from uh, Monroe, so that kind of stuck. I think yeah. a newspaper printed an article in junior, and then it just kind of that became the name. It was it was never really you know I don't know how nicknames ever come to be, but a, a newspaper did an article one time. It was. Uh, Money is money for the otters or something, and they just kind of stuck from there. Yeah, they. So it wasn't first round money, eh? Having that thrown around. <laughs> <laughs> I was just making it rain all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was funny. Shane McMahon's theme song. Sorry, Brooks. I was thinking of Shane McMahon's theme song. Here comes the money. I think Par knows what I'm talking about more so than anybody, but nonetheless. Sorry, Brooks. I cut you off. Well, I was just gonna say, like, I gave Cully a call, and uh, the first thing he said, "Oh, money!" You know what I mean? So right away, it's uh, it's stuck, and it uh, guys haven't forgotten yet. So uh, that's a good thing. Yeah, Cully, he's doing amazing. That's that's great to see him do that too. Yeah, he's doing really well, and uh, we're going to have him on the show here in the future to talk about his hockey and uh, what he's doing now, which is uh, taking over the gym world. Oh, yeah. One barbell at a time? Pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Nonetheless, uh, Adam, it's been absolutely awesome. We went a little bit extended, but that's always good when we do, because we got into a lot. I think we actually could have got into a lot more. Uh, Of course, there was stuff that we want to get into, so we'll have to do this again sometime. So I'm going to go around the horn before ending with you, Adam, uh, so everyone can get the goodbyes. And I want to say thank you very much for taking the time uh, to come on the show. It's been an absolute treat. Uh, Transition over to Brooksy. Yeah, thanks, man. It's, uh, you know, great to hear the stories from you firsthand. And, uh, you know, like I said, I had a few from your few uh, old teammates there. And, uh, you know, it's nice to uh, get to know uh, who you are and uh, what you're doing. Par. Yeah, Monty, thanks for showing up, coming out. And uh, one last plug for Money Goaltending again. Where can we find it? Oh, just check it out, Money Goaltend- or moneygoalie.com. I should know that. Uh, you can check me out on Facebook, Money Goaltending. Uh, I believe there's also Instagram, Money Goalie. Um, so anywhere you want to go on there, check it out. We're Again, we're just starting up, so we're getting the website redone right now. should be all done by next week. And uh, once we, this lockdown's done, we'll be up, up fully and going. But anyways, thank you to you guys, too. I really appreciate you having me on here, and uh, appreciate all of the time you took today. Definitely. Now, you know what? While you were saying that, the Game Sports Show now follows Money Goalie, just so you have a heads up. It should have been been followed before, but (laughs) it is now followed on Instagram. So if the Game Sports Show is doing it, you better do it. It's it's just the way it is. Uh, Nonetheless, it it was fantastic. It was hilarious talking to you two on uh, on Facebook and catching up. You sent some fantastic pictures for us to use for uploads that I will entrust into Alex Parr, making a nice, fancy video, as he always does, because Brooksy and I don't do that area uh, of the show. <laughs> we we like to say that uh, we like to try to talk and keep our limits there where Parr does it all. He's the nerd of the show, as we've already determined. Uh, so nonetheless, it's fantastic again. So I want to make sure I remind listeners uh, to check out Money Goalie, Money Goaltending on the website. Uh, check out on Instagram. 
He, he plugged it in twice. Alex made sure that he did. Uh, so make sure to give it a check out. Nonetheless, again, thank you to Adam. Thanks to Brooksy. Thanks to Parr for taking the time. Thanks to you, the listeners, for tuning in. And to make sure you like, follow, subscribe on all the platforms that the Game Sports Show is on. You know where it is. It's where you find your podcasts. That's where you find the Game Sports Show. And a lot of big things coming with the game entertainment and media. And I would like to remind you to keep your stick on the ice, swing your bats, catch your touchdowns, drain your threes, and shoot your shots. Booyah.